When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In the immortal words of Bill Belichick, we're on to Tennessee. Well, maybe we got to fix some things first. You're listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast, an iconoclastic look at the latest Cleveland Browns news. The What the Elf Was That podcast is part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here's your host, Joel Cade. There were plenty of What the Elf Was That moments in that game. It is Tuesday night, so we're talking about last night's Monday night football uh, talking about that disaster uh, that went down, and I, I'm pretty sure you know what went down, and you're just kind of looking for some of my takes. But uh, in case you didn't hear, Nick Chubb got injured, not a happy camper. I've had all kinds of conspiracy theories come my way. I've had, you know, my chiropractor text me uh, with some really good medical information, so I'm going to shout that out to Ed, man. Good, good on you. And... Uh, had other people text me, what about this? What about this? What about that? So I guess we'll start off with the Nick Chubb thing. Nick Chubb is injured. I do not think it was a, a low blow. I don't think it was an intent to injure. He didn't hit him with his helmet, which is what I was looking for. I was thinking maybe he got the Ryan Shazier treatment, but he, he didn't. You know, he turned his body. He attempted to just cut him under so he fell down. It's a typical kind of block or kind of tackle. Um, I think it's not the greatest, but it's an effective way to tackle. So I don't think there's, let's, let's just take all that and throw it out. Okay. I don't think that there's any intent from another dirty ass Steelers player. I don't think Mike Tomlin is out there paying Mika Fitzpatrick for putting Nick Chubb out for the season. I think those days are, are uh, in the past. Maybe you never know with Tomlin. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like we are talking about the Steelers, so. They could be paying people to, to hurt people. Wouldn't be the first time somebody's made that claim. But now the Browns are looking at life post Nick Chubb. You know, what would that be? Instead of uh, BCE before Common Era and Common Era, we could call it post Chubb. So a PC. We're in the PC world of the Browns. We're in post Chubby world. So what are the Browns going to do? There's a lot of things the Browns can do. And instead of focusing on all the problems, today we're going to talk about solutions. And you guys know I like a good controversy. I like a good, this is where we're going to get all, what the elf was that about? But today I'm going to try to just focus on solutions. So let's talk solutions. So what can the Browns do to replace Nick Chubb? One, 
they're not replacing Nick Chubb. The offense will fundamentally have to change to deal with the Nick Chubb injury. Okay. So for those of you who are thinking, oh, we'll just go get another running back and plug them in and we'll just run the same stuff. That is not how this is going to work. Okay. So before we go beyond this, let's look at some of the replacements, quote unquote, replacements for Nick Chubb. First is Jerome Ford, who's probably going to get the bulk of the carries. Okay, that's probably what's going to happen. And then the Browns might bring in an experienced veteran third down back. But Jerome Ford's probably going to be the guy. All right. Two, you got Kareem Hunt, who was in the building apparently today doing some walk arounds. But they bring in Kareem Hunt. He's going to do the same role he played last year with Jerome Ford doing the quote unquote Nick Chubb role. And I don't see this being a major game-changing kind of thing or even something that would allow the Browns to continue to run their same offense through Jerome Ford. Jerome Ford is not Nick Chubb. And for all those people that say, don't draft running backs in the first round, blah, blah, which I'm one of these people, okay? We're about to find out the real value of a running back. So we're about to find this out. Three, the, the third option we're dealing with is the Colts' Jonathan Taylor. Now, you guys may remember Jonathan Taylor is the guy who basically started the whole why don't running backs get paid scenario. Then everyone jumped in and blah, 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 blah. Why don't we pay running backs and blah, blah, blah. And now when running backs are hurt and the situation with Jonathan Taylor is is basically going to come around to this. The Browns are going to have to give up assets for him. Then they're going to have to pay him. That's how that works. So, one, the Browns don't have a first-round draft pick, and I'm sure the Colts are interested in a first-round draft pick. Two, I'm not sure the Browns are interested in giving up their next, and by next I mean 2025, first-round draft pick because they haven't picked in the first round at that point in three years, and you're going to need some first-round picks. So I don't see that happening. You could give up some second-round picks. You could give up some third-round picks. But at some point when you're paying all these players on your roster – you're going to have to restock the tool the tool shed there, and that restocking is happening in the first and second round. That's where you get your major contributors. That's where if you can get a game changer, that's where you're getting them from, and the Browns need to get back on the draft train, getting some of those people. On top of that, if you get Jonathan Taylor, you have to pay Jonathan Taylor, and right now they're paying a running back that is currently injured, and he's going to be on the team next year, Okay, because Chubb's going to be around next year and you're going to have to pay him next year. Okay, so how many running backs do you want on second, third and fourth contracts that you're paying? So Jonathan Taylor is an interesting scenario. I would be personally surprised if that happens. There's Cam Akers, who is last known to be with the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Not much of an upgrade over Jerome Ford as far as I'm concerned, and he's going to cost more. You're looking at Leonard Fournette, who I think is a little long on the tooth in terms of running backs. Um, again, not much of a in-the-open-field kind of catch guy, but he will run people over. I'm not sure how much of a blocker he is. I'd have to go look that kind of stuff up. I ultimately think the Browns are going to do this. They're going to have to just say, we can't run the same offense around Nick Chubb. We're going to have to change what we do as an offense which is actually a pretty scary proposition when you start thinking about this because right now the Browns have had Nick Chubb to anchor that offense. When things are not going well, 
You just start handing the ball off to Nick Chubb. And I tell you, that game would have had a different outcome last night had Nick Chubb still been in that game. Because in the first quarter, he's getting five, six yards of carry. And five, six yards of carry in quarter one is six and seven and eight yard carries in quarter four. Okay? You just, at that point, you just play ball control just like you did against Cincinnati. You just run, 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 run to the point where you just end up scoring two touchdowns and you win that game and it's over. But Jerome Ford is not Nick Chubb. He does not have the same experience. He doesn't attack the line of scrimmage the way Nick Chubb does. He has speed if you can get him through a hole, but he hasn't figured out how to get through a hole in traffic. So that's where Ford's going to have to get a little better. Now, Kareem Hunt, if he's brought back in, can help that situation. He can attack a hole, but he's not going to get away from people. He can block on third down, but he's not going to like be dynamic in the open field. I'm I'm thinking that's the route they're actually ultimately going to go is Jerome Ford's going to be the one and Kareem Hunt's probably going to be 1A and they're going to run the same situation like they did last year, except Ford is going to be in that Nick Chubb role and Hunt is going to be in that Jerome Ford role this year, right? Where he's the backup, the third down back. Probably the best option for the Browns right now is to do that. But to do that, they're going to have to do something with Deshaun Watson. Now, as a Browns fan, I'm sure we have all watched Deshaun Watson and are wondering what the elf is going on with this guy because he does not look like he has a foggiest clue what's happening. There's multiple problems in this situation. One, you have your offensive tackles that aren't... Your right tackle's a rookie, and he's playing against uh, T.J. Watt. So, yeah. Okay, that that's that's just a thing. The other problem is over at left tackle, where that guy's like a sieve. Jedrick Wills is having some major issues. And it would be nice to have a first-round pick so you could put somebody over there at left tackle besides Jedrick Wills. I think the Browns are going to have to just ride this guy's contract out. Then they're going to have to pray for rain or something. They're going to have to pray something comes their way. (sighs) But that's where Kareem Hunt could help. Kareem Hunt is a good blocker out of the, as a running back position. You've also got tight end help, but the more you put those kind of people in those situations, the less passing options you're going to have to to dump the ball out, which means the more chances the defense is going to be able to cover everybody, thereby creating coverage sacks. It would be best if somehow this offensive line, which is supposed to be one of the best in the league, can pull their crap together and block for our quarterback. Now, that doesn't excuse anything else that's going on, but that's problem number one with the offense. You gotta, you gotta block, man. You, you just, you just gotta block. That, that's what it is. You gotta block. All right. Speaking of blocking, we're gonna go on to our break here, guys. Visit our sponsors. Check them out. This is how we get paid if we get paid at all. Actually, I just do this for fun, so I'm just letting you know. And I don't make the big bucks, but I will someday making big bucks telling you how things work. It's easier that way, isn't it? All right, hang on. We'll be back after the break. We'll talk more to Sean Watson. All right, and we're back from the break here. Let's let's continue to talk Browns offense. What's going on and how do we fix it? Well, one, the offensive line's got to step up. 
But two, I think we as fans need to temper our expectations of Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is not Lamar Jackson. Despite the highlight reels that ESPN used to put out of this guy nonstop, of him running up and down the field, breaking tackles, spinning out of this, doing that, these and those, Deshaun Watson can't play like that anymore. And that's not his fault. Lamar Jackson doesn't play like Lamar Jackson anymore. You see, when Watson and Jackson and some of these guys came in the league four or five years ago, the average NFL linebacker ran about a 4.74840. A really fast one ran a 4.640. Okay. So when you have quarterbacks that are running 4.5, 4.4, 4, 4.3, they're outrunning these people to the sidelines. That doesn't happen anymore. Not even Lamar Jackson runs people to the sidelines. The, the, the linebackers run him out of bounds. He does not take off like he used to. He can't. He gets caught. He gets caught from behind by people. So if you're expecting Deshaun Watson to start becoming Lamar Jackson, that is not going to happen. And Lamar Jackson is not Lamar Jackson anymore. Okay, he doesn't even do that anymore. So we need to temper what we expect from, from Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun, and more importantly, and this is the real kicker, Deshaun Watson has to understand that in the two years that he was not playing football, the league up and changed all around him. He's not playing the same game that was being played two years ago. He's just not. Teams are faster. They're playing more hybrid players. There are less of the traditional defensive linemen, defensive ends, linebackers, secondary players. Everyone kind of meshes in through with each other. Kind of like Bruce Lee says, let's be like water. Defenses are attempting to put out multiple fronts. Players who can play edge, linebacker. Even have that same edge linebacker play corner, okay? These are the players that teams on on the 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 cutting edge of what it means to play defense. This is what they're doing in the NFL. So Deshaun Watson's not playing in the same league he was playing in two years ago. So to expect him to be able to outrun a defensive end, not happening. Defensive ends run four sixes, four fours, four fives. That's what they run now. Defensive tackles run four sixes. I've seen 300-pound defensive linemen chase down quarterbacks from behind because that 300-pound lineman was faster than the quarterback. So Watson needs to understand he is not running around making plays like he used to. It's a different, different league. And Watson has to figure that out. Number two, Watson looks confused out there playing football. He's got this deer in a headlight look right now where he is second guessing his decisions you can just see it on the game he's holding the ball he'll tap it he'll double take and he'll double pump these things not knowing if the guy's going to be open or not and that is simply a trust in your receiver it's also knowing where that receiver is going to be when the ball is in the air and it's also anticipation and i'm not sure watson right now is anticipating his throws He may just not be familiar enough with the offense to either A, know what the reads are, or B, to understand what they look like when you're not aware of what the defense is doing in front of you. It's causing him to second-guess himself. It's causing him to be late with the football, which causes other issues like tipped passes. And by the way, as a side note, the Browns need to pull Harrison Bryant aside 
and teach his crazy ass how to catch. Every single time that ball gets thrown to him, he like undercuts this thing. The ball flies up in the air. And in the first play of the game, it was an interception. But there were two more of those that same night that could have been picked off. Teach this guy to catch a damn football before you put him back out on the field. All right, that's my side note on Harrison Bryant. Teach him to catch a football or just make him block, period. So Watson, for whatever reason, this system right now is not comfortable because either it's too complex, he's not trusting his reads, he's not comfortable with his reads, something's just not there. Or he thinks he can run around and do backyard ball, which nobody's doing backyard ball in the NFL. Teams are too fast for that now. So what the Browns need to do to help Deshaun Watson is simplify the offense, okay? You're going to have to now, instead of running the offense through Nick Chubb, you're going to have to run the offense through Deshaun Watson. And we saw that last night, and that failed miserably. So they're going to have to figure out how to simplify concepts, reduce the game plan to maybe 20 20 plays that you feel comfortable playing, that you feel comfortable running, and run those plays and then begin to expand out of them. If it's, we're going to run this play designated to the right side, read one, read two, run. If that's what you got to do with Watson, that's what you got to do. But you've got to simplify his decision-making tree. Yes, he's an intelligent player. Yes, he understands NFL complexities. Go watch one of his post-game press conferences back from Houston. He will diagnose an entire defense for you and why the ball went where it went. He's just not there right now. So you've got to get him there. And to get him there, you've got to take baby steps. Make his reads easy. And when he gets comfortable with the easy reads, go to the next level of complexity, to the next level of complexity, to the next level of complexity, until he becomes comfortable and pushing him back up to the complexity. And I'm sure, I'm sure that Kevin Stefanski, who is not dumb, did this in camp. Started with plays, with easy reads, continued to do easy, easy things until he gained the, the confidence of the more complex stuff. But there's a difference between camp and NFL football games. So the Browns need to reduce the playbook, make it simple, go out and play the next game. And the first time they do that, that offense will put up 30 points. They've got the players to do it. Okay, but you're going to have to pass first to open up lanes for Jerome Ford. That's what's going to have to happen. So to make that happen, you're going to have to have basic, simple concepts with simple reads that Watson can get comfortable in. And then you can start throwing in the spice as he gets a little bit more comfortable. So we walked through something's going on with Deshaun Watson here, right? He's got to understand, first of all, his offensive line's got to block better. He's got to understand that he's not going to run all over teams like he used to two years ago. And we're going to have to scheme, make the schemes simpler for Watson just until he gets his feet underneath him and gets his sea legs up again to get him up and running. That's how you fix the situation. Now, (coughs) taking the running backs out of the situation, if you don't have that blanket, that security blanket, you may have to start doing more read option plays to open up the ability for Jerome Ford. Now, I just got here. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Joel, you just told me Deshaun Watson can't run all over the NFL, and now you want to run read option plays. 
Yes, I do. Because read options are not about the quarterback. Read options and option plays are about opening running lanes for the primary option of the read option, which is the running back. All you're trying to do is hold back the side defenders, hold linebackers, hold defensive tackles to make them respect the fact that your quarterback will run another way. Okay. Without Nick Chubb just bowling over people and using his athletic ability to do it, you are now going to have to schematically put together a running game, which means it's going to be on Stefanski in the play calling to run plays more in conjunction, more what we call series plays, right? Where the backfield looks the same, the offensive line looks the same, but you have multiple options off of that one play. You can hand it off. You can quarterback keep it. You could roll it out. You could throw the ball. I would expect to see the offense turn a little bit back more into that Kyle Shanahan um, outside zone offense and then sprinkle in some more of this running, uh, excuse me, throwing uh, offense the Browns ultimately want to be. Also remember that Kyle Shanahan offense, which is based on the West Coast offense, is one of the most difficult offenses to learn and usually has a learning span of about a year and a half. So Watson may be on the the tail end of the learning the offense learning curve still. Again, more of the reason to just slow things down for him and, and give him the basic, basic reads that he needs to get his feet from underneath him. All right, we've been talking a whole lot about all this crap. So next week, I believe it's the Tennessee Titans. We're on to Tennessee, people. On to Tennessee, um, home at the tight. Oh, excuse me, home against the Titans. They ended up beating the Miami Dolphins. I don't know if the Dolphins took them light or if that is really who the Titans are. I will say this: they will probably have more of a preview of this in the Cleveland Brownie Axe podcast with Elliot Kennel and myself. We're going to talk about a preview of this game and the matchups we're going to look at. So stay tuned for that. Check that out tomorrow, uh, probably Thursday, maybe Wednesday night, but Thursday from the Fanatical Elves Network. So hang in there, guys. I know it's it's a long season. We are not even one-eighth of the way through the season yet. I mean, it is super early, and the Browns are one and one It's not like they're 0-2 with two divisional losses. (laughs) Oh, the Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals are that. So... <clears throat> we're not in the Cincinnati Bengals territory with two divisional losses, but we need to get our crap straight. We got Tennessee in a few weeks and uh, not Tennessee. we got um, Baltimore in a couple weeks and you want to be ready for that game. So Tennessee's a big game. It needs to be a get right game for the Browns. This is where they need to get out and get their, their, their ship straight and uh, get ready for, for Baltimore. So, All right, that's the latest edition of What the Elf Was That? Keep asking the question, Elfers, and uh, have a great week. Go Browns!